The following episode contains adult content and violence. Listener discretion is advised. Legacy, a Star Wars audio drama. Created and produced by Crystal Storm and Hannah Cardiac. Episode 16. Chapter 49, An Enemy Revealed. Dr. Kimball? Dr. Kimball, can you hear me? Ah, ah, easy, easy. You have a concussion. I placed a hand on his shoulder, steadying him. There was barely any kind of organized chaos around them. The Twilight Village was completely destroyed. Survivors rushed around trying to help the wounded or put out fires. Nadia stood with a group, using the force to pull debris off of others trapped inside one of the buildings. Where's... where's Zarin? I was hoping you could tell me. You saw nothing before the explosion? No, nothing. What the hell happened, Elijah? The Jedi Temple is... destroyed. Most of the Jedi Council has been killed. What? What the hell is going on? Who did this? We don't know. Not yet. Can you stand? Yes, I can stand. Where the hell could she be, Elijah? Can't you use the Force to find her? I've tried. I've reached for Larissa too. My connection to them is... blocked. What do you mean it's blocked? Does that mean they're dead? It may. But I sense something else at play here. Oh, God. She was going to... We were going to... I know. We both took our leave of the Jedi Order. Don't lose hope yet, Doctor. There are those that need your help. I must find Larissa and my children and discover what has transpired here. I'm going with you. Help them, Doctor. Please. When I know more... I'll find you. You have my word. I was standing in front of my hollow terminal. Akavi, Gus, Baldar, and Andro stood behind me as a slimy little informant did what he was good at. Passing on information. The Black Sun was one of the most notorious gangs on Coruscant. Like most of the underworld, they now reported to me. Nobody could get a good look at the assassins. Their faces were covered. So they attacked the cantina, took Land Coro, and you didn't see where they were going. I trailed them to the spaceport. The shuttle they got on was unidentified, and I couldn't get close enough to drop a tracking device. What about his wife, Mako? She took one through the heart. It punched through her and hit him. She didn't have a chance. I winced. I shared Larissa's opinion of Mako, but that didn't mean it was okay for a family member to get mowed down like that. Plus, I could only imagine the agony Land Coral was going through. That boy loved her something fierce. Frack. Alright. You tell all our sources I need to know who's behind this, and I need to know yesterday. Yeah, you got it, boss. As I switched off the connection... A loud beeping sound resonated through the ship. The locator we had running had found Larissa. I ran to the cockpit, Andro hot on my heels. When I got in the small, familiar space, I could clearly see my sister's interceptor floating like an abandoned cargo vessel. I frowned and sat down at the controls. Biosignatures? Tempering down my fear, I ran a quick scan. There were three of them. Faint, but alive. 
I released a hard breath I didn't even realize I was holding. <sighs> There's some fracking good news at least. Tell the crew to get ready to board. We've been played for fools. Calm down, Master Caden. Calm down? This is your fault. Your Sith wife did this. Normally my patience was limitless. Today, many things were off balance, and silently repeating the Jedi mantra wasn't helping. My temper exposed itself when I smacked Caden's hand out of my face. You don't know that. And your senseless accusations aren't helping. Master Tosh is right. Darth Veerus is a suspect, giving her disregard for both Sith and Jedi, but she made it clear she wouldn't harm Master Zarin. I sense truth in those words. Caden glared at me for another moment, then began pacing. The temple was nothing but rubble. We were standing inside a makeshift tent a few clicks away from the destruction. I had no idea if my children were safe, if Reed and Larissa were. All I could feel was a disturbance, and when I reached for them, I felt nothing. It was difficult to find the calm of a Jedi when you were a worried father and husband. But the timing is too convenient. And now with those idiotic troopers forcing in the war? Would you have allowed the Empire to manufacture the gauntlet? It could have been handled with more tact. I resisted the urge to roll my eyes. Caden saying anyone lacked tact simply exposed his hypocrisy. I respected him a great deal for the warrior that he was, but he was a product of a level of conservatism that I believed hurt the Jedi more than helped it. It is a dark day, but we must control our emotions. I will remain here to advise the Senate. Master Tosh, Master Caden, you must get to the bottom of these attacks. With both the Empire and Republic suffering the blow of today, Perhaps there is still time to renegotiate peace. What's done is done. I say we finish what we started thousands of years ago and drive the Sith to extinction. That's the only way we'll ever have peace. I refuse to tolerate any more of his warmongering. Excuse me. Leaving Satil to deal with Caden, I quickly stepped out of the tent. I'd only gotten a few steps when my holocom ran. I hoped it was Larissa or one of the children... Instead, the image of Gaiden Co. appeared. My tone belied my surprise. Gaiden? Something wrong? Much, Elijah. I'm here on Tython. Can you meet me aboard my ship? Of course. I'm on my way. I sat next to the Voss, Gaiden Co., an old friend and ally from the brief time I'd spent on Voss during my search for the Emperor's first son. A deeply troubled expression covered my face. Gaiden Co. had not come to deliver good news. Vera Wynn, a powerful Voss mystic, had trusted Gaiden Co. with his plan for the Force. Gaiden Co. had brought that information to me. How can this be? Don't you as mystics use the Force for your visions? It is not from the Force that true Voss mystics get their power. Jedi and Sith have always believed the Force was the only type of living energy that could be tapped into. That's not true. There are many. The Force is but one of them. I paused, considering this. It was possible... If, for example, emotions such as fear and love were a separate, energetic entity that one could use to strengthen or weaken the Force itself, then it stood to reason that what Gaiden Co. was telling me was correct. The plan is flawed, then. Even if they do succeed in destroying the Force itself, surely Jedi and Sith would learn to adapt, to change. It is possible, but consider how long it would take your people to do so. 
I frowned again. I couldn't argue that. Many of the Jedi Masters were staunch traditionalists. In a way, so were the Sith. To reteach themselves, to draw upon something other than the Force, might take decades, even centuries, and the Voss intended to wipe us out well before then. I must get to my children first. If Larissa believes them dead, there will be no stopping her rage. If Larissa thought she'd lost our children, to say it would break our heart would be an understatement. That kind of suffering in the hands of the dark side would be her downfall. I would not allow that to happen. I will take you there. You put yourself at great risk. You saved my life. We are friends. I understand the Voss displeasure with both the Republic and Empire wishing to manipulate us to their own ends, but I cannot support this course of action. Mystics see many possible outcomes, and what they have foreseen is but one. I have seen another. Oh? Together, your Larissa and Master Zarin could unite the Empire and Republic as never before. How do you call it? Live and let live? There was much truth in Gaiden's words. As a Sith, Larissa could command great respect and fear. Reed had killed the Void Wolf and taken control of the Underworld. Myself and Zarin, along with former Supreme Chancellor Janus, could have made moves on the Republic side to cement a treaty that truly would be lasting, not the mockery that the Treaty of Coruscant was. Together as a family, we could have done it. Perhaps we still could. I snapped back into focus and nodded at Gaiden. Then we must waste no time. Chapter 50. Plan in Motion. I was pacing in my cell. My head was pounding. At least I'd been able to stop the cut on my forehead from bleeding. I had been in Imperial Intelligence Headquarters, or rather Sith Intelligence as Darth Jadis had renamed it. I had just been promoted to Grand Moff for the new SI. A well-played game that had put my family in an excellent position to get rid of that Bantha shit crazy Jadis and take all over ourselves. Then... Explosion occurred. The Citadel was next door, so the resulting destruction had nearly torn apart the IA building, too. That was the last thing I remembered, though. I'd woken up, I had been... here. And I still had no fracking idea where here was. Despite having two very force-strong parents, I had very minimal force abilities, but I'd always been able to get a sense of my family. Mom, most of all. I felt... none of them. Like there was a void, like they were... like they were all dead. No, I'd always believed if something had actually happened to my family, I'd be able to feel it. So I was trying really hard to ignore my unconfirmed fears, to focus on my training. I had been in situations like this before, and I had gotten myself out. I would do it again. Before I could get started in that regard, voices in the hallway alleviated at least some of my fears. In fact, I couldn't help but smile a little when I heard Vancito in his strong, angry voice. I am a Sith Lord. I will destroy you. What did you do with my brother? I went to the cell bars. It was actual bars instead of a force field keeping me caged. Vancito was being held by two masked men, his face cut and bruised, and he looked flat out pissed. I backed up as they got to the cell door, the plan forming in my mind. If I got the guards off Vancito, he and I could easily overpower them, and before I could finish the pain in my head, I felt something drag me back into the wall, keeping me pinned there. It felt... different than taking a force hit, in a strange way. 
Gritsito was thrown in. Another pair of masked captors that were going to die were dragging a passed out Lancoro. They tossed him inside just as carelessly. When the cell doors closed and I could move again, Gritsito and I rushed to Lancoro's side, checking his pulse. I exhaled a shaky breath of relief. It was strong. He would be fine. I started examining the wound on his chest. It wasn't fatal. He had been lucky. He wouldn't have a lot of mobility until I could get some colto, though. It would hurt worse than a raccoon bite when he woke up. Are you alright, sister? Not even close. What the frack is going on? I don't know, but we must find out, and quickly. Brother. Brother, wake up. I smacked Lancoro on the cheek. He didn't move. Frowning, I did it again, this time much harder. He came awake with a start, tried to throw an instinctive fist in my direction, but ended up only grimacing in great pain. Tana caught his head as he slumped back down to the floor. I took him by the face, staring into his eyes. You're going to be all right. We all were. I didn't know how, but I was going to get us out of here. Mako. My brows drew together. I glanced at Tana and she shook her head. I had heard the same, though nothing had been confirmed. They could be lying to us. Briefly, I worried about Vet. I don't know what had transpired on my ship after we'd been attacked, or rather after I'd been knocked unconscious. My temper flared, my anger and hate building hotly. I tempered them back and focused on the utter agony on my brother's face. It wasn't from the pain of his injury. We... we don't know. We heard them say she didn't make it. But they could be lying, Lan. Lancoro made the most agonized sound a man could make. Tana held him close and my heart bled for my brother. Out of all of us, he deserved happiness the most. The fools that had done this would pay dearly. I surged to my feet. I could not offer my brother any comfort. His pain was feeding my anger. So I focused my attention on our cell. I tested the strength of the bars that kept us caged. They would hold unless I could get my hands on my lightsaber. The cell itself was unspectacular. There was literally nothing but rock walls. No bed, not even something for us to relieve ourselves in. Either they didn't care, or they didn't intend to keep us here very long. Ours appeared to be the only cell in whatever cave we were in. The space in front of us was lit by torches and showed a wide circular ring. It reminded me of the kind the huts liked to use for their different beast fights. Pausing my search, I tried to reach out to mother, or father, even vet. There was nothing, just a cold, empty void. Either my connection to the Force was being fracked with, or they were dead. The latter thought left a bitter taste in my mouth, but my instinct told me something else was at play here. I knew a nefarious plot as well as any Sith. Good, I thought. I do so enjoy killing those who deserved it. I got the surprise of my life when Aunt Zirin walked in front of my cell. Tana spoke the words my shock robbed me of. Aunt Zarin, what are you doing here? Join the Republic. You, you're not here to free us. She gazed at me with her goggle-covered eyes, a traditional garment most Miralukas wore to cover their empty eye sockets. If you join the Republic, no harm will come to you. Resist and you'll force my hand. Had we been betrayed by the Jedi? Was she the one to do this? 
My anger surged again. We will do no such thing. Release us at once! Then you leave me no choice. Remove Van Cito from the cell. Hanzeran, what are you doing? I put a staying hand towards Tana and went without a fight. For the moment, when two more masked men took hold of me, I was shoved violently into the center of the ring. I quickly gained my footing, meeting the unreadable expression of Aunt Zirin just as she tossed a lightsaber in my direction. I caught the handle easily. Do you mean to fight me, Aunt Zirin? I will spare you, if you will join us. I did not know what part Aunt Zirin had played in our capture, and I no longer cared. My hate seethed around me, but even that felt different here. I brought the blade to life, the sound as calming as any mantra. Then we fight. I attacked. My chest was still on fire. I knew I'd be useless in a fight, but I couldn't stay on my back while Vancito fought Aunt Zarin. Tana, help me up. Tana wasn't even half my size, but she was strong. She helped me get to my feet and I gripped the bars, watching. My brother was really fracking good with a lightsaber, but he wasn't as powerful a Sith as Mom was. Not yet, anyway. And I wasn't sure who else could have brought Zarin down, so I was really fracking scared. Tana, he can't beat her. You don't know that. We've got to do something. That feeling of helplessness was driving me insane with each second that ticked by, each hiss of lightsabers colliding in one powerful sequence after the next. She was backing him up, and I'd seen enough fights to know when it was just a matter of time. I'd already lost Mako. I thought I couldn't even focus on right then, because if I did, I was gonna come apart at the seams. I couldn't lose my brother too, but we were stuck in this cell, and I couldn't get out. And Zarin, stop! Please! I didn't give a frack, I was begging. What the chaos was wrong with her? Why was she even here? Where was here? And why the hell couldn't I feel my mom? Was she dead too? That thought was like another weight on my heart, threatening to crush me into the ground and robbing me of the ability to breathe. It took about two minutes for my worst fears to become realized. Zarin broke Vancito's guard, knocked the saber from his hand, and drove him to the ground. I knew her next strike was going to land in his heart. In fact, I was so sure of it, I screamed out, Vancito! No! At first I was confused when the death blow never came. I could tell Vancito was as well and then we realized that my father had come out of stealth and blocked Saren's blade with his own. A second later, we heard an explosion in the hallway, and someone shout. This ain't your party! Vencito, get them and get out! Elijah kicked Zarin away from the cells, away from us, and back into the wall. I will not, father. I will stay and fight with you. Vencito brought up his blade again, ready to charge at Zarin. In all our years, I've never seen my father actually angry. Displeased, sure, but never actually showing a temper. He sure as frack looked about as scary as Mom did in a fit of pure rage when he shouted back. I said now! Get them and get out! Vencito's brow twisted, 
but he whirled around and charged over to our cell. Tana scooted quickly back to my side to support my weight again as Vancito used the lightsaber to cut through the metal. I kept trading glances down the hallway where I could hear the sound of blaster fire and back at Dad who was locked in a furious fight with Zarin. They both moved so fast I could barely keep up. We can't leave him! I could tell Vancito didn't want to either. Dad must have sensed our hesitation because we heard him shout. Go! We must, brother. Tana, clear the way! Vancito tossed her the lightsaber and took my weight. I hated being so goddamn helpless, but there wasn't much I could do about it. Vancito slung me over his shoulder and we charged down the hallway. We could see Kalio waiting near the entrance to the cavern. Let's go, let's go! How the hell did you get here? Questions later, let's move! When we burst out of the cave, I would have recognized this planet anywhere. We were on Voss. What the frack? Long story and we don't have all of it. Let's just hope we make it back to the shuttle. Kalio tossed Tana a blaster and we scurried off. From my vantage, I could see the mouth opening of the cave. I kept hoping any second Dad would pop out of it, but eventually we rounded a corner and I lost sight of it. I never saw my father again. Chapter 51 The Consequence of Loss Zarin, stop! You are not yourself! My double-edged blade clashed violently against Zarin's singular one. Whatever the Voss had done to her had made her stronger. Much stronger. You are a traitor to the Jedi Order. Damn. She would need healing, and a great deal of it. I broke away from her attack, taking a quick step backwards to put some distance between us. Our blades hummed in the silence of the cave. Zarin was a patient fighter. She gave me reprieve long enough to remove my Jedi robe. No sooner had it touched the ground and I'd adjusted the grip on the hilt of my saber that her quick footwork brought her back into my space. I danced back, deflecting her blade, spinning mine to try and take her hand. I detested purposefully trying to harm her, but I had no choice. Nothing I attempted couldn't be repaired, and I knew when her mind returned, she'd thank me for it. Of course, my attack didn't work. Her blade was like the spokes of a wheel in its quick, circular attacks, the perfect stance to defend and exploit the movement of my dull-edged blade. Once more, she got in too close for comfort, but before I could dance out of the way, her fist caught my face. I stumbled at the incredible impact of her strike, heard her blade hiss toward my neck, and went with my own momentum to somersault across the floor away from her. I came to my feet and she was there, barely getting my saber up in time to stop hers from punching a hole through my chest. Don't let them use you this way, Zarin! <sighs> I gasped. The air was thick and heavy in this cavern. It did not bode well for a prolonged match of endurance. Sweat threatened to block my vision as I arched my body away from her swinging point at my midsection. I backed up another step, breathing hard. Fight it! You're stronger than this! I might as well have been talking to the Emperor. She didn't stop. In fact, her motions became faster, and I had no choice but to engage. It was a deadly, if not elegant, dance, the constant hum of our blades, a mantra that was interrupted every time they collided. She had me entirely on the defensive, something I knew I had to change quickly if I wanted to survive. But whereas I was tiring, she moved like she was a machine. The breaks in our rhythm came from me, and she'd only give me a second before she attacked again. She held her saber one-handed, slamming it in one perfect back-and-forth arc against my own. Her next strike slid off my blade, the point of her saber honing in on my shoulder. 
I quickly spun around, twirling my blade around me to protect me from the vulnerable position such a move left me in. But as soon as I rounded to face her again, her foot caught me in the stomach, her saber arched high to drive right into my head, anticipating I would delve over. Instead, I took the hit, ignoring the pain, the loss of breath, snapped my blade up to deflect her strike, and set the opposite point across her thigh. She blanched, stumbling. Instead of pressing the attack, I was forced to break and gasp in a breath. She recovered far too quickly. What had they done to her? My mind raced as our blades collided again and again, but my concern for her was a luxury at the moment I couldn't hang on to. She moved like she had no injury, whereas my muscles ached and strained to keep up with the pace of our deadly dance. Her next strike sliced my saber in half. In the next heartbeat, I felt the hot, burning sensation of my right hand being severed. Ironic that she would complete a move I'd tried moments ago. My harsh sound of pain ripped free as I dropped to one knee. Grim determination on her face. Zeren towered over me. <sighs> Don't do this. You know what it will do to Larissa. What it will do to you. You've got to fight it. Lost magic is powerful. Too powerful. My words were a fool's errand, but I felt no sense of defeat. My children escaped, and that had been my primary purpose for coming here. My primary purpose, always. I felt confident they would find a way off this planet and back to Larissa. Hopefully in enough time to stop any more bloodshed. I closed my eyes and prepared for the inevitable. I wanted to reach out to Larissa. Nadia, too. But I doubted they could feel it. Still, I tried regardless, in the hope that my love for them would be strong enough. I'm sorry, Elijah. Her words had barely died in the cavern air when her saber pierced my heart. Legacy Returns, August 16th. Hey everyone, quick caveat to that. Just to let you all know, Hannah and I thought that we would have enough time to get episode 17 ready. That's my neighbor's dog in the background that you guys hear. Uh, but we've got some personal things coming up and we'd rather not rush an episode. So we will be back August 16th and there will be no more breaks after that. Just full steam ahead until the conclusion of Legacy. You hear the dog in the background, the dog's excited too. So stick around. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Legacy. Please remember to subscribe, drop us a review, and share this story with your friends. I also encourage you to come hang out with us. We've got a Discord server and soon we'll have a Facebook group. To join the Discord, click the link down in the description or go to dsc.gg backslash crystalsimagination. You can also join us Tuesday evening, 7 Eastern, 6 Central for the Lake... Episode 16 features voice performances by Adam Corman, Joe Moyer, Ken Turner, Shelley McArlene, Nick Gunning, Tara, James Hatton, Rob Patrick, Jake Riker, Hannah Cardiac, Alejandro Paz, Lindsey Gray, and Bun Berry. Sound work done by Hannah Cardiac and Crystal Storm. Legacy's theme song is composed by Daniel Cherlitza, titled Star Wars Dark Side Themes Reimagined. Additional amazing music tracks contributed to this episode, so please read the description for full credits and links to each track. 
Legacy is a work of fan fiction created inside the Star Wars The Old Republic universe. It is written, directed, and produced by Crystal Storm. The Daklin family are original characters created by Crystal. A big thank you to BioWare, LucasArts, and Disney for providing such a rich world to create in.